0: Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis, with your hosts, Val
1: Fabo and Joel Frucci. In a week that should be, well, one of the best of Nick Curios' career, it's... Turned into a very mixed one. While on the tennis court, things have been going pretty well. Off-court, things are starting to boil over in terms of interviews, altercations with the media, and also at home as well. We'll get into all of that and much more from an eventful Wimbledon here on Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Verbo, and joining me, as he does every show, is the one, the only, Joel Frucci. Joel, how you doing?
0: Going well, Val. Oh, geez, I, uh, I didn't see you for weeks, and now we've seen each other again uh, twice in, in two weeks. How good's that?
1: Well, this is how things should be. This is how you know when you know when we're settled into things. We're doing shows every week. Uh, I miss I miss doing this, and we used to we used to really hammer in do them. Now, obviously, being workers, we are or hard workers, yeah. we um we don't have the time and as much anymore. But it is good to to get a few consistent shows under the belt. But it's been a really good Wimbledon, oh, Joel. I'm exhausted. I am absolutely <laughs> I'm I'm gone. Um the the last couple of nights especially have been really long ones. I was only supposed to stay up last night and watch a set of Djokovic versus Sinner, ended up watching until halfway oh, until God. the end of the third when I realized and I realized pretty early on in the match that no or in the third set that Novak Djokovic was going to win the match, which is the scary thing that it just had so many eerily similar qualities to that pass Djokovic French Open Final of last year, and you just knew that that Novak was going to get the job done as soon as he broke early in the third. So unfortunately for Yannick Sinner, can't get the job done. But he'll, uh, Novak will play Camp Norrie in the semifinals. That's what we'll get to a bit later on. But Nick Kyrgios is the big one, Joel. He's through to his third career quarterfinal at a major. First since the Australian Open in 2015. And his first at Wimbledon in eight years. Can you believe, Joel, eight years ago was when Nick Kyrgios made his breakthrough. How How quick has the time gone?
0: Yeah, the time has absolutely flown. But, um, look, I think it's what we've been almost waiting for from him because, well, we know that he can he could pretty much beat anyone on his day, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think we're finally starting to see it. And it's no surprise that it's come at Wimbledon because, um, I guess, with the, with the exception, really, of, uh, of the Australian Open, Um you know, where he's, he's got pretty much the crowd universally on his side. Um, Grass is just, you know, should should be his best surface. He should dominate Grass with the assets that he does have. Um, obviously, the serve first and foremost. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, I think he'll get the job done against Christian Guerin. Um even though he... Obviously, had a great win against Alex Dimonor, Came from the oh, came from the clouds, and uh, Jesus, I know we were we were very was... disappointed to say that. But uh, <sighs> yeah, you've got to hand it to got a hand it to Garen to come back from from that position, and um, yeah. But I, I guess with Nick, we just wonder um, you know, what kind of impacts the uh, the, the looming charges are going to have. Um, big news there,
1: yeah, certainly. And we'll get to the Alex Dimonor stuff a bit later because that was cheese. I'm I'm still cut over that. That was um that was a hard one to take as an Australian fan wanting that first Australian quarterfinal matchup in Joel. The last time two Aussies played in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, Aussie men was in 1982, Pat Cash and Paul McNamee at yes. the Australian Open. It's been a bloody long time, and we were so close. We're a set away from it happening. We're a point away from it happening, and Alex Damon couldn't get the job done. But you are right. Nick Kyrgios has some charges looming over his head. Uh, Former girlfriend uh, Kiara Passery has uh, called, well, has pressed charges over Assault. So um, he'll face court next month, and um, the ACT Magistrate's Court, it's on the list for August 2. And in the statement, the police said a 27-year-old man from the Canberra suburb of Watson was scheduled to face the ACT Magistrate's Court on that date in relation to one charge of common assault over an incident in December 2021. It's, a, it's believed that the alleged assault was against Miss um, Passery, um, and Kyrgios is expected to be formally charged um, with assault when he faces court next month. So the offence carries a maximum sentence, jail of two years in prison. So mm. that's that's quite big news, and we've seen this, unfortunately, isn't the first time um, over the last couple of years that we've seen these types of charges loom over tennis players with Alexander Zverev and nikolas Basileshvili too Pretty prominent figures in the world of the sport. If um, you know, if you're looking at if you're looking at athletes, um, Zverev especially, um, both of those two have had charges laid uh, or pressed against them, or or allegations made against them in recent years as well. So I'm not sure where this is going to leave Nick Kyrgios tonight. Wimbledon are aware of the issue. They've said that Nick Kyrgios will still intend to play his quarterfinal against Christian Garin, but mentally. What does this do for Nick Kyrgios? That's the big question because we know he he thrives on those mental challenges at times because th- that's when he plays his best tennis. But when it, that's when it's against a player with a with a better record or a better ranking, like what we saw against Stefano Tsitsipas and we'll get to all that controversy a little bit later on. But, you know, you look at something like this, mid-tournament, mid-Grand Slam, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure how one handles this mentally because this is something very serious and they, they, they've said in a, in a statement, Kyrus, as manager management group, that they're treating it as serious, which they should. But during a tournament, where does this leave him and where does this leave his game?
0: Yeah, well, uh, look, we should preface this by saying that by talking about Nick's mental state, we're absolutely not making him the victim here because he isn't.
1: No, 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 no. Um, oh, I, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Thank you for saying that.
0: Oh, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it had to be said, but... Yeah. Yeah, look, um, yeah, obviously he's, you know, faced challenges of various natures before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to know sort of how he's going to react because, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm really not expecting anything different from him. Um, I'm sure he's got people behind the scenes dealing with the legalities and things of that nature. Um and, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one to, to really comment on. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: it is. And, and look, we
0: don't yeah, know the do situation. The time, the time.
1: Yeah, well, we don't know the oh, situation, so we're not going to speculate on anything. But uh, it's more just how, to, how do these challenge or how do you overcome a challenge like this in the middle of a tournament? And we're not saying he's the victim at all. We're not making any sort of any sort of judgment on the case because we have no idea what's happened. We kind of had a feeling it was coming with some of the things that she'd posted over the last, the course of the last six months in terms of, um, in, terms of just the language that she she's used comparing him to Zverev in certain aspects. So it it, it is going to be interesting come August the second, what happens there and what charges are actually laid, if any. So um, big watch this space here on the Nick Kyrgios front on more ways than one because he does have a quarterfinals match coming up and it's been a, a rocky tournament for him to begin with because last week, Joel, we spoke about his first match against Paul Jubb and, and how things went there in terms of, you know, spitting at a member of the crowd, calling an official a snitch with no fans and um, a, and um so on. But it escalated in the third round against Stefano Tsitsipas, where Tsitsipas was hitting balls at him, called him a bully after the match. And Kyrgios then unleashed in his press conference as well, which, look, in turn, I, I don't disagree. Like, it was very, it, it's very hard to hard to put words on this because Tsitsipas probably shouldn't have gone out and said what he said. I've spoken to a lot of people and a lot of people that love Stefano Tsitsipas and they've actually said, look, he doesn't really have a case to answer here. He didn't need to go out and do that hitting balls at Curios Wasn't right. And in all fairness, yeah. Tsitsipas was mentally beaten before he walked on that court. Nick was in his head already. It was 100% clear cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, exactly. and then Joel, you see in the press conference where... Tsitsipas says, you know, he's a bully, I don't like bullies, you know, he was probably bullied in school and he's become one himself and all these sorts of things. Well, I don't think suggesting Kyrios uses gamesmanship as well, and uh, he alluded to that as well, Tsitsipas probably shouldn't be talking about gamesmanship because he's come under a lot of scrutiny in in yeah. that space as well with the toilet breaks with the coaching on court Andy Murray's blown up Daniel Medvedev's blown up a lot of other players have blown up and that and that caused the uh, the the famous shut your fuck up um and small cat uh small cat sound grabs um but yeah it's it's very interesting. But then for Kyrgios to come out, Joel, and I'll let you elaborate on this in a sec, but to, say, to come out and say the guys that he plays basketball with in Canberra are dogs and they're competitive and that him and Sitsipas aren't cut from the same cloth, blah, blah, blah. The ego. And look, I, uh, he was provoked in, in this sense. Sitsipas shouldn't have come out and said what he said, but just keep your mouth shut. I just uh, you're, you're a descendant of Malaysian royalty. How are you? How are you saying that you come from the slums? Essentially, he's really trying to get this this basketball and narrative that he comes from nothing, and you know, you grew up in it. It seems as though he grew up in a pretty comfortable household. I, I don't know, but if your mum descends from Malaysian royalty, you know, <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be some sort of um some sort of thing that that you looked. I don't I I don't know. I'm speculating here, but I I find that to be honest, complete bullshit, absolute bullshit. Mm. Um, I don't
0: think we'll. Ever, I don't think we'll ever see that stop though, because no. But that, that's yeah. Whether, that, we, whether we like it or not, it actually works for Nick. Like it, it gives him a huge advantage. Like we we saw it just with with Stephanos alone. He like the bait was dangled there, and he bit like a hungry fish. Um, and it just completely undid him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, look based on that, I it's hard to see Nick stopping as as much as we. May not like it. Um, not a huge fan of it personally,
1: neither am I. Um, and,
0: yeah. But, but it, it works, it I, works for him, like it more certainly than does. Not, he's got to be a strong character. Um, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, Val Stefanos just kind of crumpled, but yeah, I mean, it, it we've seen it kind of becomes undone a little bit against you know, probably the I don't know, this is no disrespect to Stefanos, he's uh, not exactly a, a, a you know a youngster anymore, probably by age he is, but he's been around on the tour for a a while. Um, But those older, sort of more seasoned guys, you wouldn't think would get sucked into that. Um, You know, they're a bit bit more level-headed. They've, you know, done the media rounds a lot. They've seen a lot, um, you know, and that's probably when it comes undone. But yeah, Yeah. I I mean, with a guy like Steph, you would have to think that, um, you know, as as he grows that experience, um, you know, it probably won't happen again.
1: No, and you wouldn't think. Well, Nick's beaten him twice in the space of three weeks as well, which so has been really impressive. And I thought Brandon Nakashima handled Kurios really well the other night. Just unfortunately wasn't good enough in the clinches to get the job done, but pushed him to five. And I thought really handled the the mental the mental side of that battle well because Kurios we know he peaks and troughs, and um, Brandon Nakashima played as a plateau throughout the entire match. He just flatlined. He knew what was happening. Um, try and kept tried to keep himself in he, um, you know at a level at a level head, and then you've got Curious on the other side that's tanking games and showing all this flair. But yeah, it's it's been a bizarre tournament to watch from a Nick Kyrios standpoint. And I agree with you, Joel. I'm not a fan of that mentality. I'm not a fan of that sort of you know that mental side. Well, trying to put someone off mentally with with how you talk about them and saying that they're soft, and well, afterwards anyway. I don't know. It's I don't know, it just seems like it's unnecessary theatre and that it's kind of Americanized crap that we don't need. And yes, I know it's putting bums in seats. Yes, I know it's box office and people are watching. But, you know, we're getting people that are watching tennis that are treating tennis with disrespect. and that's And that's what I don't like because... At Curios's matches, he's turned it into a bit of a zoo, as we said last week. So I don't know. I'm neither here nor there with the whole situation. It's really, it's been really bizarre because at times I've felt a bit sorry for Kyrgios, but most of the time I haven't. I felt as though it's his own doing. Um, but the whole City Pass thing, I thought Steph was probably out of line and then Nick probably crossed the line as well. So it's been really interesting. Kyrgios will take on Christian Garin tonight and he'll, um, Garin, of course, Joel over Alex Demon or, uh, Alex. Uh, missed opportunity, for sure. Yep, and you're never going to get a better chance at getting through to a Grand Slam semi-final. Unfortunately, if you're Alex Demonor with Matteo Berrettini having to withdraw with COVID, he gets a two-set lead on on uh, Christian Garin with a chance to possibly play Nick, who's who he knows really well. He's good on grass, Demonor, and unfortunately, he couldn't get the job done. Garin started, I, I think the way that he problem solved Joel was probably. The highlight for me because he started to hit the ball with a bit more weight knowing that Demon or wouldn't be able to go with him and Demon tried to counterpunch but Garen threw the kitchen sink and it was really impressive because he started to get balls in. Things were going well. You could tell at the end of the second set that things were starting to roll for him because he was getting the upper hand in rallies. Demon was just able to get a break at a decisive time. Um, and then in the fifth set, having two match points, Demon had chances in the third. He was up a mini break in the third tie break, match points in the fifth, uh, up a mini break in the in the final set tie break as well. It was there for Demon and he couldn't get the job done. This one, I reckon, is going to hurt him more than any other loss that he suffered throughout his career.
0: And you would hope so as well, because he should not have lost that match. And that's no. stacking nothing away from Christian Garren, but... Yeah, he should not have lost that match alex um yeah very 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 disappointing he's had a, a very good season too I mean after uh you know had a yeah, an okay sort of last couple of years but yeah I mean this was the one where you considering how far that he did get um yeah very disappointing that he that he couldn't quite um get the job done mm-hmm. gotta say though I didn't really expect that he'd do it at, at Wimbledon and maybe that's i don't know maybe that's through through ignorance because he's actually not he's actually a fantastic grass court player um it's just yeah it's it blows me away that that's actually the case because he's so um so sort of well let's let's face it scrawny and sort of nimble Mm. um he's not really the kind of player that you'd associate with being uh you know being being good on grass but that's exactly what he is but uh yeah, sad because we're we're just waiting for him and like kind of like Nick, um, maybe not to the same extent as Nick, I don't think. But we're you know we're just waiting for for Alex to hopefully sort of break through and make a bit of a make a bit of a dance. He just hasn't quite done it yet.
1: No, certainly not. And look, it was an improvement. Lost in the first round of Seb Quarter last year. Got through to the fourth round this year with some pretty good results. But I think Damon will definitely be heading back to the drawing board after that. And the other side. Of the men's draw, well, we've also got Rafa versus Taylor. For it's Rafa's looked okay, drop sets in his first two rounds, but his last two against Lorenzo Sonago, which had a bit of controversy in itself, which Rafa has since apologized for, complaining about Sonago's grunting, which was quite interesting. But uh, Very ended, yeah, ended up getting over uh, Baltic van der Zantchel in the um, in the fourth round, which was interesting in itself. Um, van der Zantchel was a bit rattled coming onto center court, as we see with a lot of players with their first time on the court. Um, and then Rafa, and then he settled in. Rafa ended up winning the third in a tie break and will take on Taylor Fritz, who famously beat him in the Indian Wells final earlier on this year. Rafa and Rafa was asked in the press conference, Joel, what did you, have you taken anything from that match um, and will you use it and utilize any of the learnings in this one? And he kind of goes, well, no. I had a I had a fractured rib when I played him last time. Um, <laughs> 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 so, yeah. I, it's- yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, Rafa. Um, so, yeah, really interesting there to see what happens. I think Fritz is a definite shot to get him. Um, Fritz's fourth-round opponent, however, Jolt, Jason Kubler. What a story that is, was playing Bendigo Challenges and Bendigo ITF tournaments a couple of months ago. He finds himself back in the top 100, um, has enough money now to, to buy a house and bankroll the entire rest of the year, which is amazing. Unfortunately for him, he loses the chance of getting t- plus 28 in the rankings and moving almost into the top 70 after qualifying. So a bit disappointing for him there. But Jason Kubler will have done himself the world of good with that result in getting through to the fourth round, defeating Jack Sock in the third in an epic five-set clash. Um, and then you move, like you move on for the rest of the year. Kubler must be so confident now that his game is good enough to match it with the best.
0: Yeah, well, even though he didn't get the points, um, obviously the financial impact is going to be mm. be huge for him, as as you said, Bell. But um, yeah, I would love going into the U.S. Open next if he could, uh, if he could back it up. That would be absolutely fantastic. And I guess from where he's come from, we know we know the story of of Jason Kubler. Um, it'd be. It'd be great if we could see it, and um, I'll tell you what—like a really unlikely sort. Like of all the mm. Aussie men that I expected to, you know, surprise us and push up the rankings a bit, it's it wasn't him. It wasn't him, but I love I love that he surprised us. It's great.
1: Yeah, so do I. And we, we've still got Chris O'Connell that's lingering around the top 100 and he he's thereabouts. Cockenarcus hasn't really kicked on after winning Adelaide earlier this year. He's had a couple of niggles and, and, and things like that, but um, I, I expect him to have a pretty good end to the season. Johnny Millman's kind of plateaued as well, but really, really impressed with what Jason Kubler's been able to do. And he, he was a top junior, was ranked number one in the juniors. And, and was thereabouts as a as a youngster, but just has had so many injuries. He's had an excessive six, six surgeries on his knees, was a clay court only player for, for such a long period of time, was traveling around South America in a van um, going from tournament to tournament. So this is an amazing story for Jason Kubler back in the top 100 into a, a round of 16 at a Grand Slam. Amazing. We'll go to the top half of the draw because uh, Cam Norrie is through to his maiden Grand Slam semi-final, Joel defeating David Goffin seven-five in the fifth in an epic last night. But another epic that took place. Well, as we mentioned before, it's it's almost part and parcel now when Novak Djokovic is down two sets to love, you still expect him to win. And look, credit where credit's due. That's pretty. That's an unbelievable aura to have that you can be two sets up on a guy and you still expect him to come back and win. And exactly that happened when he broke early in the third. You just knew. You just knew Yannick Sinner was done for.
0: Yep, we're never going to see another male player in the mold of Novak Djokovic in the sense that this guy just comes from the absolute dead. Like... Novak, Novak, when he's down and seemingly out, I mean, he is not only dead, but his body has been taken to the woods, wrapped in a blanket, and thrown into a shallow grave. He just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. We'll, we'll never see anything like it. Um, and that passing shot, ho ho, you know the one.
1: Yeah. Just well, insane. 4 2 up in the fifth, 30 all, big point. Sinner trying to retain or hold his serve to keep it at one break, keep the pressure on Novak and Novak just out of the point hits this ridiculous backhand past the young Italian and just says, you know what, you got to do a lot better than what you've done to beat me. And look, in best of three sets, that might be good enough what Yannick Sinner put up, and it would have been good yeah. enough. But Novak Djokovic in best of five is a different beast because you've still got to win that extra set. And mm. Sinner had to win that in three. He had to win the third yeah. because he, as soon as Djokovic got that sniff, he was playing more confidently. And everything that was going to Sinner in the first two sets was going to Djokovic in the in the third. And then that transitioned into the fourth. And then that transitioned again into the fifth. And it was such a good effort from Sinner. He was down 4-1 in the first set and then won at 7-5, won the second 6-2. So it was 12 games to three after that point of being 4-1 down in the first. And things were looking really good for him. Got it to one all in the third, held early. Unlike what Stefano Tsitsipas did at the French Open. But unfortunately, um, Sinner just couldn't get the job done. And yeah, Novak Djokovic continues on his merry way. Hasn't lost on centre court at Wimbledon since 2013, Joel, back when Andy Murray knocked him Amazing. off in the final. Unbelievable stat. So.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yep. That's incredible. Um, yeah, just. Oh, man. The, like, uh, yeah, the man is just insane. Just the, the fighting spirit is incredible. I mean, there's really, yeah, we're, we're going to run out of superlatives. Um, yeah. Just to uh, just to close this one off on uh, Yannick Sinner, obviously still a, a very very young player um, and a lot of developing to do uh, physically and also mentally as well. But it really kind of just comes back to this point that we talk about so often, doesn't it? Val, about um, the 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 next gen or the you know, the sort of crop below the, 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 the big three, if you like, or at the moment the big two, because obviously roger has been out of the game for a while, but um, just the ability to be able to get it done in five rather than three, it's just, it's still troubling a lot of these guys. And I'm, I'm sure that will come for, for Yannick. It'll come for Carlos Alcaraz, but just at the moment, um, it's still clearly the thing that's setting, setting apart Rafa Novak you know, probably Roger as well, but we Mm. can't know for sure at the moment. No, probably not at the moment anyway. Yeah. Um, And the rest.
1: No, it certainly is. And it's, it is, it. look, it is worrying because even when you look at someone like Daniel Medvedev not being able to beat Rafael Nadal at the French Open, um, uh, sorry, the Australian Open earlier on this year when he well and truly had him on toast and should have won that match on many occasions. And then you look at Djokovic who is, at uh, 35 years old, Yannick Sinner is 20. You know, this shouldn't be happening. Sinner should have energy to go with him.
0: but He should, but the thing is, we're just never ever going to see a male player again um, that is as good an athlete as Novak. It is just incredible how athletic this guy is in every sense. And even at 35, just still a cut above. He, he looks as good as ever, really. And every time, it's funny, every time we think he's going to sort of trail off a bit or lose a bit, he just doesn't. He finds no, a way.
1: No. And I think we can say the same with all three of them. You know, we, we thought at points all three of them were done and all three of them have come back and one slams. And it's quite unbelievable to see. And and you look at Rafa this year. We thought he, we probably thought that Rafa was the one that was, or we, Novak was probably the only realistic chance out of the big three to continue winning slams in 2022. And Rafa's come out and done this. Rafa's still in here. Rafa's still a chance of winning Wimbledon. Yeah. And if he does, if he goes to 23, the debate might be signed, sealed, and delivered. If well, he goes I think to 23. Be which would be quite unbelievable. Um, So it's, yeah, it's quite unbelievable to see that the two of them are still performing like this. And Roger was at center court this week and got a massive round of applause. So there's still a lot of love for Roger. And there's a lot of love in my heart for that man, because he just can do no wrong in my eyes, apart from not holding too much points and, uh, in Wimbledon 2019, but that's a story for another day. That's the story for my psychiatrist um, because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still not over that. But, uh, look, we've got plenty more still to come here on Breakpoint Podcast. We'll talk about the women's draw up next and some of the results that have happened there with Ila Tomjanovic still in. And we'll also give our picks for the tournament as well as the awaited Benoit of the week. Plenty more still to come on Breakpoint.
0: Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform.
1: You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci joining you, talking through all things Wimbledon. What a wonderful tournament it's been so far. We've done the men. Now let's talk about the women's draw, Joel. And I think, look, yes, there's an Aussie still in the draw. But she's not the shining story in this, Isla Tomjanovic. Yes, it's wonderful. She's gone back-to-back. No disrespect to her. But unfortunately for Isla, uh, Tatiana Maria, wow, what an unbelievable story this is for her to get through to um, her first. Look, she'd only ever been to the third round at a Grand Slam once, Joel. That was at Wimbledon in 2015. She's played in... This is her thirty-fifth major. She hadn't won a Grand Slam match since the U.S. Open in two thousand and eighteen, and now she finds herself in a Wimbledon quarterfinal. It's it's Unreal. quite remarkable. It is absolutely unbelievable what she's been able to achieve. She's a mother of two now. She's uh, she came back from maternity leave. Last year, I believe, and at the end of the year. And she's knocked off some pretty remo- some pretty awesome players. She knocked off Astra Sharma from a set down in round one. She avenged a loss to Sarana Kosteya um, earlier on in one of the slams this year. Um, uh, that was in three. She knocked off Maria Sakkari in straight sets in the third round. Then she beat Yelena Ostapenko in the fourth round from a set down, a Grand Slam champion in her own right. And then again in the quarters, she beat Jewel, uh, Jewel Niemeyer um, in an epic encounter, really, because it was um, one German at 22 years old who knocked off Annette Contervate in the second round, and another one at 34 years old, mother of two, had never been beyond the third round looking for a quarterfinal appearance or, sorry, semi final appearance at a major Look at what she's been able to do from a set down. Now she'll take on probably the tournament favourite, Ons Jabur. If she can beat Ons, what a. And look, it's already a remarkable achievement now. But if she can beat Ons and get through to a major final for the first time at 34 years old, um, it, it would almost go down as tennis story of the year.
0: Yeah, and probably more than just the year. It'll be one of the, one of the better tennis stories that you'd be able to remember in, in, in quite a while. Ever? Yeah. 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 That's not an understatement. And looking at the other, other side of the draw, it's, you know, if she, if she gets passed on, it's actually not out of the question that she can go on and win the whole thing. And no. that's no disrespect to Isla or Alana uh, Rubikina or Simona Hull or Amanda Anasimova. But um, you, know, you look at each of those players and, um, maybe with the ex- exception of Simona, I think she's probably, um, well, actually with that question, the strongest um, of those players, not just by ranking, but also just generally in, in terms of quality. Um, I, I, I think she could beat any one of those players um, on, her, on her day. And well, so far she's been able to put together four of those. So why stop now? It's just incredible. I guess overall, the unfortunate thing is the, sh- the, the shame in it is that because Tatiana Maria is not really a household name, the story probably won't get the attention that it deserves. So I guess within tennis circles, it probably will because we're, well, we're, we're tennis nerds. We, you know, we love this stuff, but, but generally speaking, because she doesn't really sort of draw a whole lot of eyeballs, it probably won't get the, the credit that it deserves. But uh, yeah, um, regardless of that, just amazing already. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually a shame though as well that um, it's, it's got to a point in the semis where it's Tatiana Maria or Ons because both great stories in their own right.
1: Yeah, well, it, it is. And Ons is the first, I think, African and slash Arab woman to have, made, to have made the Wimbledon semifinals, which is remarkable. And I said this last week, I picked it. I said, and look, I haven't picked it yet because I said she'd go on to win the title. But she was the one for me. She was the one, even though Contevate was number two seed, and Sviantek ended up breaking Venus's record of of most consecutive wins. It was onces to lose because she is the most informed player in terms of all surfaces. Um, she was good on the clay, had a really disastrous French Open, um, but then came out, won a title before Wimbledon, and now has come in and made the semifinals. Things are looking really good for her. She's got good variety. Her game suits grass. It suits the surface. And then you look at Simona Halep. She's won it before. Amanda Anasimova doesn't know how to hit a ball softly. She just, she creams it every single time. It is great to watch. She's such an aggressive player. That's going to be a bit of cat and mouse, that quarterfinal. It could go for a long time. It could be really short, depending on what mood they're both in. Um, And and we saw Simona Halep absolutely obliterate Paula Badosa off the court. Ilo Tomjanovic, we don't know what's going to happen in that match. match. Her and uh, Alina Rabakina, both of them could win that easy. It could be a tight tussle. I'm not sure I'm leaning towards it being a tight tussle with the way matches have been going throughout this tournament. But I'm really excited for all the possible narratives because Simona Halep has had a coaching change. Patrick Moritoglu has come into her camp. If she were to win Wimbledon four years after she last won it, back in, sorry, three years after she last won it in 2019. She hasn't played Wimbledon since 2019, so she still hasn't lost at the tournament for four years, which is quite remarkable considering she made a name for herself as a clay court player. Wimbledon might become her most successful Grand Slam, and this would be an amazing story for her to continue on and push for the rest of the season. Amanda Anisimova could be her first slam. Angebeur could really make an indent into into her career and start getting more confident that she can do it more often and win Grand Slams. Tatiana Maria, if she wins it, do you go on and do you say, you know what, that's it for me, I'm retiring, I'm not playing anymore, I'm going out on top because this might never happen again. Um, and Isla Tomjanovic, we had Ash Barty win it in January, win the Australian Open. Could we have another Australian win a Grand Slam? There are so many possible narratives and Alina Rabakana doing it for Kazakhstan. <laughs>
0: Yeah, had to.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I, I did. I really did. But um, no, it's I, I'm I'm really excited, and it, it's such a tantalising prospect. The final few days of this women's draw, because again, we don't know. The men's is always kind of a foregone conclusion, I guess, because we've both picked Novak to win it, and it just looks as though Novak's going to win it again, or maybe Rafa. We don't. We're not sure, but i'm I'm so perplexed as to who is actually going to hoist the trophy I still think it's going to be on she was my pick at the start I'm not going to change that but joel, what do you think about all of these players and and where they're situated and and what will become of this the final few days of this event?
0: yeah, it's intriguing isn't it I think there's a few possibilities here uh, I, I think from from the bottom half you probably, have to go on's, I think. Um, yeah, just think. She, uh, I think the the run for Tatiana Maria may end here. Uh, ons is looking really good. Um, the top half is the interesting bit, though. Um, you could make a case for really each of these players. Um, yeah. I think probably Simona is the most reliable of of the four. Um, and when I look at uh, the likes of Elena Rivikina and Amanda and Samova, both really tall women who conserve serve and conserve well, a lot of power. I think Simona is probably the one that could can, can nullify both of those, the best. So I think based on that, I'm probably going to go for Simona to get through there, and I actually think she'll win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it, it would be – I wouldn't be surprised if she went on and did it. Um, I, I think it's – for me, it's leaning – looking like it's probably going to be a Halop and Jabir final. I think Ons is just playing too well, and and Simona to beat Paula Badosa in the circumstances, in the way that she did, um, that was so mightily impressive. Um, I, I was taken yeah. aback looking at that scoreline and looking at that match and watching the highlights and rewatching the match and just looking at how she managed to nullify the game of, of um, Badosa on grass. It was it was quite impressive quite impressive. And yeah, so the the women's tournament we have so many narratives. And Isla Tomjanovic, back to back quarterfinals for her at Wimbledon. I think it's I think it's great to see um that you know with the retirement of Ash Barty, Australian tennis on the women's side is still in okay hands because Isla is performing consistently. Darek um Savile is still is coming back and playing some good tennis. Astra Sharma, Storm Sanders are all thereabouts and and um and playing quite well so um hopefully we can see the Aussies remain competitive even without Ash um but yeah it's um it, it's nice to see Isla back and yeah we'll see what happens for the rest of the tournament but um we've got plenty more still to come Joel because our picks are um uh, uh, on the other side i think we've kind of alluded to who they are but we'll confirm them after the break here <laughs> on Breakpoint Podcast as well as the Benoit of the week
0: Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform.
1: You are listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febbo and Joel Frucci here with you talking all things Wimbledon. We've reviewed the draws. We've previewed what is to come. Now, Joel, who's going to be in the final and who is going to win in both draws? I want your picks.
0: Yeah, all right. So i uh, have already spoken about my pick for the women, so I'll start with that. Um, Simone Halep, I think, is going to win uh, and will beat Anjabur in the final. I think for the men, it's hard to look past Novak at the moment. He's just playing absolutely supreme tennis. But I think Taylor Fritz will make the final.
1: Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's always good to be to be devil's advocate, isn't it? And it's always good to to disagree with each other on the show. Unfortunately, I'm going to agree with you on, on both fronts in terms of the finals. (laughs) I reckon that, I reckon that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be Taylor, Taylor Fritz over Rafael Nadal tonight. And I reckon it will be Djokovic to, to take home the title on the men's side. I just think he's going to be, He's going to be too good. Cam Norrie's pretty cooked after that semi-final, but he, he after that quarterfinal against Davy Goffarm, but he can run all day, Cam Norrie. It would be great to see him back up that Indian Wells win and, and go again and and push for a Grand Slam this time, possibly. And, you know, we thought it was going to be a long time after Andy Murray um, that we'd see another British guy come through and win because there just weren't any real prospects. But Cam Norrie is a prospect now, and he's a bona fide top 10 player and bona fide big dog in the te- in any tennis draw that he's playing.
0: Yeah, never so, thought we'd say it, but we
1: have. No, and we have, and he's been so good to watch. And he's a great guy too, so great to see him, uh, great to see him. Uh, go on to bigger and better things. But I think it's going to be Djokovic over Fritz in the final, who, uh, who's going to have a major breakthrough at a slam for the first time. It's already his first quarterfinal. The women's side, I'm going to agree with you on the final, but I'm not going to agree with you on the result, Joel. I think, as I said before, Anjabur is going to be that little bit too good for Simona Halep in the final and take home her first slam in a history-making day for Tunisia. Now, 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 now. Benoit of the week time, Joel. Now, who did we give it to last week? Oh, yeah, I know who we gave it to. We're not even going to mention them. Um, uh, Now, this week is a tennis-related one, and it's to a certain Spaniard. Would you care to have a guess who <laughs> which Spaniard it is?
0: Oh, gee, there's a few of them going around. Yeah, there's oh, a, a lot.
1: Sponsor? No, neither of them. Neither of them. He's quite an old one. Oh, not okay. too old, not too old. Feliciano Lopez.
0: Oh, oh, Lopez,
1: Feliciano oh. Lopez. Um, he is very, very, very good. He is very good speaker. He's very good at everything. Um, <laughs> he it, seriously no, honestly, he can do everything. He's a good-looking guy. He can play tennis at a very high level, and he can like his voice. He was commentating the um, the Novak and Sinner match last night. You got to be kidding me. He's even he's got one of the smoothest voices you could ever imagine so Feliciano Lopez you are the Benoit of the week because you are just a majestic specimen of a human being and um, you can do absolutely everything known to God so um, well done to you just in general on life um, and and you can have the Benoir of the week so it's a very positive Benoir this week Joel and uh, on that note I reckon we'll uh, we'll wrap things up thank you very much for your efforts tonight mate
0: Always a pleasure, mate.
1: It is always a pleasure. And this has been Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci with you. Remember, you can subscribe on uh, all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor. We are wherever you get your podcast from. We're there. And then social media, Breakpoint Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, And Twitter, we're there as well. And you can follow at Joel Frucci if you want to as well to get some good content. Myself, VFebo96. Um, If you want to grab any of our content as well throughout weeks or whatever we're doing, if we're tweeting about AFL um, and not tennis if you're interested in other sports, who knows. But uh, this has been Breakpoint Podcast. Enjoy the last few days of Wimbledon. It's going to be a cracking finish to the tournament. We can't wait and we'll be back very soon to wrap it all up.